Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oh. Oh. <laughs> it would be a wall spot, eh? This is an advertisement from BetterHelp Therapy Online. We all carry different stresses, big and small. It could be from work, stuff going on at home, or just from supporting a football team. You flatter to deceive, and as the bedsheets have always said, let us down. We often bottle up these stresses and try and keep a lid on them, but when you do that, it can start to affect you negatively. That's where therapy comes in. It gives you a place to get these things off your chest, get down to root cause, and figure out how to work through what's weighing you down. Therapy is there to help develop positive uh, coping skills. It's not just for people who have experienced major trauma. It's about empowering you to be the best version of yourself. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not look and give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. With over a thousand therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Our listeners can get 10% off their first month using the code betterhelp.com slash wanderers. That's betterhelp.com slash wanderers. Let's get back to the show. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Wolves Fancast. It's Rich Hobbs here and joining me by the campfire tonight, we've got Stu and Andy. So you, you're the one who messaged me use of a phrase earlier, and you know what? I'm going to run with it. I didn't say campfire. I said fireside chats when there's two people together, not it, not is, three. Sorry, hang on. Whoa, 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 hang on. But is that not effectively the same thing? If we're in a fireside chat, we're going to be by a campfire. It was an old um, thing they used to say on IGN years ago when there was only two of them. They used to say it was a fireside chat because it's like you'd have two people in a house before telly was invented, where you'd have nothing else to do but talk to each other. So henceforth, a fireside chat. I know in in technicality, it makes no sense at all, but two people's a fireside chat, not three. I don't know what three is in this kind of oldie-worldy well, uh, scenario, <laughs> but there we are. <laughs> I, I still think we can make this a fireside chat. Personally, oh. between between the three of us, we'll have a nice chat about wolves and just nothing <laughs> else. Yeah, no, no rubbing sticks together either. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> anyway, I, I'm joined by Stuart and Andy, uh, of course, uh, for those merry listeners who uh, cannot see us over on YouTube. Big thanks to everyone, of course, who's watching live and in the comments and anyone who's watching back on there as well. Yes, we're going to be talking about Wolves' defeat to Brentford because I think, as Stu said um, in tweets and offline, it's been four games in about six weeks and effectively they seem to have worked us out by, by the end of it um, over the, over a series of games. But there's a lot to kind of digest, some players we want to sort of um, chat about and some key moments in the game, of course. Uh, let, let, let's go starting lineup because realistically, we probably didn't need to change it from, from the Chelsea match, but I guess the... Most notable exclusion was Huang, who pulled up with a slight injury um, in the last couple of days before, after returning from international duty. Yeah, I, I think barring Huang's injury, that's as good as it's going to get, isn't it, really, that lineup, to be honest? So it, I think it was pretty much as expected going into to yesterday's game. No real surprises there. It's nice to see Bubakar back on the bench. At least that's a little bit of. A little bit stronger than having Harvey Griffiths on there with zero minutes in the Premier League. But, yeah, it's much of a muchness, wasn't it? 
Yeah. yeah. I think after that Chelsea performance as well, and I know you said you've been a bastion of the old ways, Andy, where you said a few weeks ago that you don't change your wing side. I don't think that's really that productive when we... I mean, if we had changed it yesterday, we wouldn't have been as predictable. Um, and maybe that would have actually worked in our favour because, and I will get onto it, but Thomas Wank looked like he had our number yesterday. We played exactly the same way as we did in the other three games against them. And I think them coming straight out of the blocks kind of did us in. And you thought, oh, fucking hell, it's going to be one of these days, eh? But looking at that starting lineup, we didn't expect anything, any of that. So you can't really have a go with hindsight when it made perfect sense to keep the team because of how well we performed at Chelsea. No, and like re- realistically, what what changes would you have made? Mm. Like that, that would have massively impacted the result. No, Do, the difference between Lamina Gomez and Doyle's not not a huge amount. You know, I think it's very much a in hindsight one in terms of maybe you play Bueno instead of Dawson, but and Traore's just come back off um, international duty. Everyone else is very much a rung down the down the ladder for me in terms of you know playing Doherty, Hugo Bueno, Bellegard we'll talk about because I think he's sort of starting to divide a few fans. And then you've got the two young lads. So it when it comes down to it, I think and particularly because you said like we've played them a lot recently as well and they seem to have mapped out a game plan for how to beat us mm. great far more effective than they have done the last few games. It, it it just felt like it just got that bit too repetitive, whether it was formation formation or players, to be honest with us. I mean, potentially Doyle, because Doyle, like the last couple of times we've played against him, Doyle has been the man of the match. So I could maybe see going back to Doyle, but Joe Gomez played such a blinder against Chelsea, it would have been really harsh to drop him. But then it's harsh to drop Doyle in the first place, so... Yeah, you just toss a coin, don't you? And whichever one it lands on, I think is whatever you pick that particular week. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but Stu, you're right. We we didn't. I say it's not necessarily we didn't come out starting well, but Brentford really came out gunning for us in that first half, didn't they? Yeah, and you can see it was it was different to every other time we've played them, where they look like. They had an idea of oh let's attack them for a change and let, let let's not just sit back and be ourselves all game let's actually try first and see if we can get something and we kind of look rattled and it's weird mm. to see that I mean I know it happened against Man United in the first half as well but that's Man United not Brentford even though they are what they are but it looked like we didn't have a clue like it was completely unexpected and you'd think well surely after three games they're going to do something different. Um, and Dean's put <laughs> I know Dean Marsden put in the comments there what's Stu's thoughts on playing it from the back. I'll come to that later. Um, but oh, fuck you, what I will put it, we'll talk about it now. I mean, <laughs> they did us, their goals came from us pissing about. <laughs> and I know Gully yeah. can say all he wants on Twitter, so, oh, it's not really technically playing it from the back because we, it's well, you're passing around your own in your own third of the defensive third of the pitch and you lose possession, what's going to happen? If you lose possession on the halfway line, it's not as bad. If you lose possession further up, it's not as bad. If you lose it there, then it's playing out from the back. And the writing was on the wall. We've seen this all, we've seen this before. We, we saw can't do it. So I don't know why they're trying it again. Like we had it, I can't remember what the game, you might remember Andy, where we tried it for about 20 minutes and people started getting on his back and they, they scrapped it mm. after 20 minutes and then we, we we created a chance straight away from a, from a, a proper ball down the field and it's like well why are we doing we're going back to this again so i thought whatever he does whatever he is and obviously i've made my feelings about him he's the best keeper we've got this season there's no point talking about that he's just the best we've got mm. he's not going to be dropped for bentley so you maximize what you've got playing Getting into play balls into the midfield is not a good idea. <laughs> Getting Dawson this time, and Kilman had been guilty of this as well in the last few weeks of passing through the thirds and to players under pressure. It's risky, but it doesn't come to anything. And I, I know the whole the thinking behind it. Yeah, it, it creates chances, and you you 
you set traps and you hit them there. But how many goals have we actually scored off playing like this? And I know it's not all about goals and it's about managing the possession and things like that and spaces. But it's not worth the hassle. Look at the amount of goals that Brighton have conceded this season with this kind of pissing about stuff. You see it every single week. If you're not Man City, I mean, even Liverpool. Liverpool have got done. I don't know why Alisson wasn't playing yesterday, if he was rested or if, if there was something else wrong with him. But Alisson has been awful for the last two months of getting caught in possession over and over again. It's the most stupid thing in the entire world of football. Why this is why everyone has to copy Man City when they haven't got the players to do it is beyond me. I have no idea why. And we got done for the second goal that we'll come to later. But the writing was on the wall as soon as Saar started doing it again because he can't play that way. Yeah, I, I, I sort of agree to a, quite a big extent, to be honest, Duke. You are right. There is a difference between playing from the back and trying to play it out from the back. We were trying to invite them on and then play pretty triangles around them to work our yeah. way up. But we were getting like 10 yards at best mm -hmm. before fucking it up time and again. It wasn't a case of keeping possession like 40 yards out, playing it around and looking to, you know, pro passes here, there and everywhere. It just didn't work. And there was a real issue with the fact that Brentford kept all of their players at all times behind the ball when we had it. There was no point in the game when Brentford tried to have a man ahead of where the ball was and we had it so that could hit us long. All they needed to do was just wait for us to fuck up and then spring yeah. it. And that's all they had to do yeah. time and again. So we were just constantly coming up against what? I say two banks of four. It wasn't because it was the strikers as well. It was 10 players behind the ball, completely restricting our movement. We wouldn't ever look to go long because, let's be honest, our strikers, I mean, Cunha's probably the tallest at five foot nine. Like, he's not a tall guy, is he? So he's not going to really win anything. So we're not going to go long. We're going to try and play it through the, the quarters as we go. And it got us nowhere because they were on us like fucking flies on shit every single time it got near us they really fucking hounded us and it was such a fucking embarrassment at times especially when you've seen someone like craig dawson making error after error he had an absolute stinky yesterday but because for whatever reason he doesn't seem to think santi bueno's ready or he's just not who he fancies i don't know we're going to be stuck with him for the rest of the season maybe i it's frustrating very frustrating yeah was, i mean yeah, I was gonna say, say it. Go on. This, this, this from Paul in the comments, it doesn't help when our fans get nervous when we do it. We have to bat the team regardless of what we think. But that's fine. But people get nervous because we haven't got the players to do it. And it looks amazing when it comes off. But again, we've got Craig Dawson, who's probably never really played that, that way in his entire life. And now we're asking him to do it. You got Jose Sard doing it when we he can't do it. It's it's if we could play like that and it worked 100% of the time, I think everyone would be aboard. It's a bit like when, when Nuno came in and everyone was like, oh, we, we're Wolves, we don't play football like this, it's going to be terrible. And then within a few weeks, people realised, oh, yeah, actually, this works. And mm. there was no nervousness and there was no moaning and there was a few forwards and, you know, the, the usual the usual crowd of mm. galong and all the usual things. But on the whole, people bought into it. But we can't do it. We can't play this way, and we're not Brighton, and we're not going to be. We're not going to be teams like it. <laughs> we're not going to be a club that ha accepts stuff like this because we're just we're wolves, and you got people from Wolverhampton. Other than Andy, they don't have. They don't go to the good food show. They don't buy a fountain pen. <laughs> we're not that kind of. We're not that kind of club. So, just knock it on the head and pack it in. See, I, 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 as with most things, am kind of in the middle of this debate um, because I, I get the logic of trying to retain possession. And Stu, you're right. The difference between you know where you lose it is quite important because, say, if you lose it on the edge of your box compared to, you know, on the halfway line, it, it is quite a significant impact. But you do have to get the ball to the halfway line. And if a way to get it is lumping it long, then, you know, mass generalisation for there, Stu. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, we, we do a football <laughs> podcast. Um, which is, it, it, it should be the uh, tagline for most things in football, Twitter and podcasts, shouldn't it, in a way. 
But I think a lot of it depends. It, it's not for me about SAR. It's not about Dawson in a way in terms of you talk about playing out of fact. It's a collective responsibility. It is how that team can talk about it's going through the thirds. We know players like Max Kilman can play through the thirds. Mm. We've seen him do it. Mm. We have seen him thread a ball um, between, you know, central midfielders or carry it through. We've seen Dawson do it this season um, as well. But it relies on that next phase of plays. It relies on the Mina to be able to be picking up the ball and getting in the right positions. It relies on Semedo to be doing it. It relies on um, Sarabia and Neto and quite literally everyone to be completely in sync with one another. And I think it wasn't that there was a case that, you know, don't make it, it fell up the first hurdle with Saar and Dawson yesterday, but it didn't help that a lot of players weren't quite at it for me either. Yeah, there's um, no, there no movement or no one's showing. I mean, there was a, a good comment there as well. We we don't seem to mess it up away from home. I mean, I can name like Brighton away last year. Um, we, oh, there we are. Um, was one was off the top of my head. Because we don't tend to do it away from home, I'm there 95% of the time at away games. You don't see that much. And, and when we when we do do it, we're not under any pressure. So there's a bit of a difference passing it around the back when you've got no pressure on you to, you know, trying to be dangerous and trying to pass it into into players who've got someone literally on the back. We do don't you, tend, do tend to do it away from home. It's just one of those things. Do you think that um, a certain amount of credit should be going to Brentford, though, in terms of their, yeah, yeah. In terms of their tactics? Because like, it, it, it's really easy for us to say, oh, they played everyone behind the ball. But if that's the other way around, then, you know, you, you'll have people, the football tacticals on Twitter, saying, oh, well, they've, they've you know, they've pressed at the exact right points and exploited them. And, you know, they've been in the right position at the right time. Because of that, and you know, don't get me wrong, Brentford haven't been a good side for a few months now, slash a, a while in certain people's books. But their form coming into this was poor. But it felt like they were mapped out a real game plan and really tactic their way through it, along with all their other usual shenanigans um, to actually, you know, make life hard for Wolves. And we've seen mm-hmm. a bit of a trend now with us that. You know, we've had a great performance and we've not been able to maintain it or manage the next game. And, all right, could you say that happening twice in the space of three weeks is a trend? But it, it, it's a bit worrying that we've had two euphoric results in the last month and then we followed them up with a really shoddy display. Mm. Um, and again, uh, Dick D. Marston in the comments saying... Um, I get the logic because it tends to happen more against teams that sit in. Uh, we try and tease um, them out to give us space, uh, but we don't have players that are consistently good enough to do it. And, and that's right, to be honest. And if you're not being able to find those gaps, that's where you need to hit those wide areas. And I think that's kind of what it's your saying, saying to you, isn't it? It's like, well, you know, have a bit of variety. Unless you are, you know, Man City. And, and, and I get it. You need to be extra. Mm. You've got these other tools in your arsenal because no matter where you are on the table, and you know, walls are mid table, so we're kind of an interesting opposition at the moment, aren't we? Because half the teams are quite literally striving to beat us, the other half want to make sure they're you know pushing us back down the ladder, so to speak. Mm. I think we have struggled against teams who have um, sat in and tried to frustrate us, give us no space to get our running game going. It happened against Man United in that first half. They they absolutely blew us away by sitting back, letting us fuck up and then just going long, hitting us long and just running and running and running. And that's sort of what Brentford did yesterday to mm. a slightly less successful, but still, uh, you know, I say less successful. It wasn't as attractive, but it was just as success, successful as Man United's, I think. So that's all that clubs have sort of need to do against us now. It feels like we've kind of been figured out a little bit. Whereas in the earlier part of the season, it felt like Gary O'Neill was the manager who was figuring out other teams, working out how you play through them. Now clubs have sort of done that against us and it kind of needs to vary it up a little bit. 
You noticed through the game yesterday, we did try like four or five different formations and tried this, that and the other. And we did play with, you know, a right footer on the right wing and a left on the left. And then we swapped it around and nothing quite came off because our biggest tool is very much that running game, which we never got going yesterday because we were never given that space to because their pressing was perfect. There's a reason they had like less than 30% of possession yesterday and still came away with both winning 2-0 and winning the XG game, even though they didn't have like massive of, of opportunities because they played it to perfection. And we just sort of worked ourselves into a shoot a little bit with it, I think. And, you know, just kept going around the houses without ever getting to the position where we needed to. I mean, did we even have a shot with anger other than Neto's header in the first half? Like, I can't remember anything else that really happened in their penalty area throughout most of the 90 minutes, to be honest, because wow. we could never get through. We struggled to get through the first bank of midfielders, let alone the defenders. <clears throat> yeah, I think... It just didn't happen for us. It's when the, Whoever annoying Brentford are, we did exactly the same thing to Man City and beat them doing the same thing. So yeah. we, we can't go out any amount about it. It's just, you do what you do. But... I think it's spot on there. We had no running game, and that was kind of linking it back to kind of some kind of structure. Um, Cunha being injured because then we did have yeah. no one at all other than mm. Neto. I think that's the, uh, I guess, the big talking point is how can we weren't being able to link up play going forward? And I think losing our, our star player at the moment after 20 minutes. Um, is a big factor within that. I mean, to be honest, um, we weren't amazing in that 20 minutes, but at the moment, given the fact that, you know, going into this, 15 goal involvements in 15 games, you know, this is a player who is so influential for how we play and um, how we score goals, that to lose him is, is a big loss for us. And, you know, we looked at the starting lineup and the squad beforehand. It, it, no, no one's coming into a place in particularly effectively. And I, no you know, one can. I, like, he's such yeah. a different player to pretty much everything else we've got, isn't he? And isn't it ironic that in the week that we've been talking about his potential of being one of the best players to have played in a Wolf shirt in, in the last X many years <laughs> is the week he gets fucking injured within 20 minutes. Oh, like, it, it's, it's just, just so wolves, isn't wolves, it? Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's just classic Wolves. Oh. Yeah, and the fact that it, it, he's got like an und, undetermined injury as well that no, that's not been named or anyone's talked about how long he's going to be out for, which normally means about two or three months. Mm. Yeah, I, I was going to say, um, in terms of that, I guess, I think Gary Neal's come out after the game and said he felt something a little in his hamstring, but he doesn't quite, they don't think it's too serious. Now, it, it, it's such a tricky one. You can't have always swinging and guessing, aren't you, in terms of particularly hamstring injuries. Like it could be, you know, a month. It could be, oh, he's just felt a slight pulling back in two weeks kind of thing. But it almost feels like however long it is, is too long. Yeah, I mean... Well, it is. Sorry, Stu, carry on, mate. No, I was going to say, you get to Spurs next week without him and Wang and we can forget it before we even kick mm. off. Yeah, we, I mean, you are left. I, I I saw a couple of comments that saying, "Oh, we shouldn't be criticising Wolves for not bringing in a forward or letting go of Kladnic. but it is uh, that that drop off and not having those different options because you know you sort of hope that Quang's fit, but. You, you know, effectively, we're talking. Uh, he's felt he's felt calling his calf on. Call it Thursday last week. You're talking a nine, ten day turnaround on that mm. injury. Let's let's but be not, honest as well with Huang. Huang's been globe trotting for the last month. He went to wherever the tournament was held with a knock. He picked up another knock while he was there, and he's come back with one. He doesn't have a great injury track record with us over the last couple of years either. So it's probably out for the rest of the season, knowing how things have gone with us. <laughs> like, it is a bit of a worrying sign. Just we are just on that climb down, and I don't know. I'm not saying oh, we should have kept Sasa or 
Fabio Silva, who's back in goals for fun in Scotland. Um, no? no? No one's going to take the bait? Oh, I mean, should we have kept at least one of them as an option? Yes. Probably. <laughs> probably not Silva, because... No, I, probably not, no. Um, I think his time here is done, if I'm honest, and it, it does break my heart. I really wanted it to succeed. But I don't think it was ever going to work out. And the more minutes he played, the worse he seemed to be getting for us. But Sasha probably should still be a Wolves player, if I'm being perfectly honest. And he was never great, but at the same time, he was never dreadful either. He was just okay-ish most of the time, which is better than having nobody. (laughs) And no one can tell me. And, and, you know, um, Fraser came on in the second half as well. And... yeah, Paul Harris in the YouTube comments. I could <laughs> score in Scotland, even with football. <laughs> and yeah, personally, I'd have rather seen Fraser go out on loan to a League One team or League Two team and play 15 times between now and the end of the season for at senior level and kept Sasson on the bench for quite literally this circumstance and I completely understand and as Dean sort of says in the in the comments um it's clear Gary O'Neill didn't fancy either of them definitely should have got someone in massive balls up on which note uh Yuri Alberto scored again today um but I'm sorry and I, I understand that they might not be O'Neill's cup of tea it is somewhat his job to make them his taste Mm. Or at least, you know, does Sasa Kladnich fit the same mould as Mateusz Kuhn? No. Can he do half the things that he can do? No. But at least he's a viable option. And I think when I looked at that bench and, you know, started for discussion and in previous games as well, I'd have thought that Sas Kladnitz coming on yesterday instead of Bellegarde would have at least given Brentford something to think about a bit more. Mm-hmm. Or going into a second... I don't want to dig out Nathan Fraser because he seems a phenomenal player in the, in the making if we get it right, in his development right. We won't. <laughs> no, because we've done this. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's like, you know, if we're in a situation going into Spurs next week and you say... Kuna's out for the next six weeks. Huang's out for two weeks. We are going to be playing a front line of Neto, Bellegard and Sarabia. Yeah, I mean, where, where, where's the fear in that? Because all you do is you do what Brentford did. You block the middle, you force us wide, and we've got a front three of players who are five and a half foot each. They're going to be nothing in the air. And that was half of the issue yesterday is we never had an option other than trying to work it wide and then score a wonder goal by working your way in through five or six defenders. There was no other option other than just that, keep trying to run. And you do need to have like a separate option there. Something like Klaizic would have given us at least a cross into the box. He's got more of a chance of getting his head on it than Sarabia has, for example, hasn't he? Yeah. I mean, it, like he said, though, that neither of them are ever going to play. So, what is the point? He'd he'd ra- yeah. he would rather play mm. no one there than either of them. And but, he said he said that he's cl- the, mm. the amount of wages that we've saved off the, off the wage bill for the next six months. The fact that they couldn't be asked, or yet again, not going down the usual routes. The excuses that they've given for not bringing one in again for the probably the fifth year in a row taken away last year because they had to, which the one year where January wasn't a problem to sort things out, shock. The fact that we had, what, 100 grand spare on wages alone a week, and they couldn't find anyone to come in for that for six months. Bollocks. Absolute bollocks. And when this, when the, when the, when the, the things are released in, at the end of March, and we'll all see then how, how close to the line we really were, because I don't think it's anywhere near. It's not tinkering on the brink like we've been led to believe. I don't think it's anywhere near that. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I've just got a feeling that yet again we've been we've been talked a good game and they've bollocks it up again. For the God knows how many times this has happened. There you are. 
good point for Dean again. Johnny's wages as well. It's over 100 grand a week in savings, and that's been generous, and we couldn't get someone in. We couldn't even get William Jose back. That would have been better than no one. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's what we're going to end up with. I can, I can see it now. We're playing Sheffield United at home. We've got no one else, and Doherty will be up front. Just watch. Oh, God. When he came on Plus yesterday nine. and trotted Plus over nine. to left, left fucking forward, like I just wanted to walk out. As soon he was walking up that way, and I was just about to walk out of the ground. I was like, "Can't be dealing with fucking Doherty playing left fucking forward for." He won't. He'll be, he'll be playing twenty-four. He'll be playing false nine. Telling you now, he probably will be. I, I genuinely believe that you're probably right there. <laughs> and people so didn't awful. want. People didn't want the Welsh. Miroslav Klopp said, did they? No. I mean, he still wouldn't have played anyway, would he? Let's be <laughs> no, because he's not one of Gary. He's not a Gary O'Neill type of player. Which, frankly, I think of someone who's got about fifty career managerial appearances. No, um, he's man. You know what I'm trying to say? He's not managed an awful lot of uh, games to have a defined what is a Gary O'Neill type of player. Is what mm. I'm saying. But there we go. There we go. Um, but. It is not great. And I appreciate you take out two out of your three centre forwards in any team and it's a dent. The fact that it, there isn't anything quite there to not even replace them, but it feels like we've got we've lost two centre forwards and that is effectively what Hang and Kuna are. And the backups are effectively what? Sarabia, who's an attacking midfielder, want a better term. Mm-hmm. And Bellegarde, who's an attacking wide midfielder, so like neither of them actually fit that next man up perspective. Particularly when your other forward is a very much a wide player. Like in a way, it would have been better for. It's going to sound really bad. I'd have rather Neto got injured because a Bellegarde's more of a natural replacement for Neto than anyone else because mm-hmm. Kuna can actually play in a centre forward's position. No one else apart from Prang can do so. We have lost those two options then I appreciate it. So I get it's difficult but I still can't quite get my head around, you know, oh well, actually I don't fancy them. We don't want to be playing them. Yeah, it's a, if the line was, you know what, it saves us money we're getting someone in on the cheap who can play it, great. Or you go all in on Nathan Fraser, which I don't think they're quite ready to do, nor necessarily should they do. So, I don't know. Um, whether you blame the manager, whether you blame, you know, the back office, as uh, Graham said in the comments, due spot on, uh, we've screwed up, pathetic attempt to get a striker in, Gary Neal must feel let down. And, yeah, I... I I see it. I do see it. But let, let's go, let's drag it back to the game. So, let's say it's it's not just it's not just getting this. It's not just for having a striker for striker's sake. It means if we had an actual striker, we wouldn't be having to shoehorn players who are not strikers into a striking role. So you could mm-hmm. we had options off the bench then to bring Bellegard on and bring someone else on and play them in the. Wide, you could play them off the front man. You don't. It's not. It's not just the fact that well, we we need a big man up top. It's the fact that we we're yeah. losing out on players yeah. playing in their natural positions as well as not having a striker in the middle in the first place. Does does that bring us on nicely to Bellegarde chat then? Because I feel like does. that needs to be spoken about. Yeah, now, let's it? Talk, let, I was going to say in my running order notes, it was frontline slash JRB. So let's talk mm-hmm. about JRB. Mm, let's talk about him. He's um, he's a quandary, isn't he? Like, I mean, he's he's clearly got some talent, but what that talent is, I'm not quite sure where it fits in our team, because he's, he's clearly not a false nine because he he doesn't have the presence to do that. So I suppose you have to put him out wide, but his delivery into the box, although we haven't seen a lot of it, has left something to be desired as well. So. Do you play him deeper? I don't think he's got the physicality to be in the midfield too. So in the current setup, it wouldn't work unless we go with a three and play him ahead of them. It just doesn't feel like he fits into this team. And I don't feel like, you know, he's going to work for us, at least for this season. So 
Yeah, a quandary certainly is. I think I said after he scored against Sheffield United on the podcast, he's a maverick. And I mm. still very much feel like that because he's going to have moments of brilliance. He's going to give us like a 10 out of 10 one week, but then he's going to throw in a couple of two out of 10s for the next month or so until we really nail down what Bellegarde is in this Wolves team. And I haven't seen anything to suggest to really give us a good clue on what he's going to bring to this team long term. You can clip that out and put it side by side by talking about Sarabia from April last year. And I, I hope I'm wrong, don't get me I really oh, no, hope that's he what... on like Sarabia. I really want him to, but I just don't like I can see with Sarabia that he, he sits back, he looks, he scans, and then he does what he needs to do. I haven't seen anything of Bellegarde to suggest what he's going to become for us. And I don't mean that as a knock on him. I just don't know if he's our kind of player in this that's, setup. That's what that's what I was getting at. I'm not a, a dig at Sarabia because Dan can do that all he wants, but I'm not going to attack the guy. <laughs> but I think hey, that's what I think that that's what we are. I think we're a year away from seeing what he is. It's like he needs a bedding in period. And mm. the fact that he was great when he first came, then he got injured, then he got then he got himself suspended, and it's like well, all that rhythm and. There's been no blues afterwards. It's just died. And it's, okay, well, he's going to be here and there. He's going to be fit him in where he doesn't really fit in on as a striker. He's not a striker, like you said. He's not really a winger yet. He's like he's more like a kind of an old inside forward in a way. Um, mm. Or a, as, a, mm. as a 10, but we don't play with a 10. He's almost like something like that. But it's like he screams pre-season to me. Like that's what he needs. He yeah. needs a preseason here to bulk up, and he's been, he's probably played more than I think they thought he would. Whereas we've got the uh, the Paraguay Maverick Enzo, who's no one talks about anymore because he's been left alone to not be ruined. It feels I know Bellegarde's a lot older, obviously, and he's played a lot of football, but it's almost like he should have been blooded in the same way into English football, and it just never worked for him yet. I think we'll see more after that, and but we like things say we we don't play with a midfield three, do we? And I think that's the problem. Yeah, uh, I I think time will tell. There's clearly a player with a lot of potential there, and it's just whether we can tap it out of him. It, but it. Again, it doesn't help if he isn't playing his natural position and the stop starting us and coming on after 20 minutes, coming on after 20 minutes, sorry, is always a slightly difficult task to kind of get into a rhythm of a game at that point. But it's felt like he's kind of been very quiet in a lot of games that he's played and he seems to have that ability, he has an ability that almost you feel like he could really impose himself on the game. Allah to, I guess, on like a Dharma trial, right? not necessarily, oh, he's got the pace to kind of run, you know, 60 yards at the pitch. But he's, he's clearly got that like bit of technical ability that if he just had a, a bit more aggression or a bit extra something to you know, beat that extra man or find that killer pass. And he just feels like he's not quite there yet. And it's not to say he can't get there, but it does feel like a pre-season in him with these players would do him a world of good. Um, and partly it might be formation and he might be, uh, you know, he might be victim of that. To be honest, it happens quite a lot, doesn't it? Where, yeah, he needs to play, you know, on the side of a three behind a forward, or he needs to be on, you know, a midfield three and have two players, you know, have Lamina and Dull doing all the hard work for him so he can bustle up and down the pitch. But if the manager ain't doing that, it is going to be a tricky one. And it, mm. yesterday, again, it, it it's just frustrating, isn't it? Where it's Again, that it, it was almost just that experience, wasn't it? Of because someone like Kuna, yeah, there you go. I mean, the classic, the classic rich drop off. Uh, the <laughs> yeah, it's it, it, it's it's a real shame, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it, it is. I mean, he's uh, 
you see, like you said, it you see glimpses of it every now and again. You see where the ball's down and he's battering away, and he, he somehow managed to get through three or four players and he comes away with the ball. And you think, okay, right, he, he's going to kick on, and you really do want him to, uh, but I don't know, time will tell with him. And I think you're both right pre season, and we'll have to judge him next season. It doesn't help us in the short term, but it's football for you, isn't it? I suppose. Yeah, it's wolves. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah, wolves in it. Um, I guess let's talk about the goals and because well, there's technically three goals I want to talk about, and they kind of all centered around Craig Dawson. So the corner first. It it reminded me, and I cannot remember who. It might have been Hoops when he was part of the fancast. Uh, parish mentioned when you know it came to corners and being a big proponent of man marking as opposed to zonal because you know it's players who score goals not space this was a very clear example of man marking not going well uh yesterday it was a bit wasn't it i mean dawson couldn't have been closer to um it wasn't P- who was it who scored no that's it i was say pinnock for some reason um I've seen the clip of him and he seems to duck underneath it, which does make me wonder, did he get a call from Saar? That's the only Mm. thing I can see because that's not Craig Dawson to duck out of a header. That's his bread and butter. He loves that shit. So I can only assume he got a shout from Saar and Saar was in no man's land. Saar was back stick and the ball was front stick. So yeah, comedy of errors, I think is the uh, the cliche on that one. Yeah, you you could hear it. You could hear Saar call for it. Um, and it's the way he looks at him afterwards as well. Wicked. Where oh, Rich has gone robot. Um, you um, you can you can see how Dawson looks at him, and he, normally he's throwing his arms around and everything. But he, it was Sars fuck up that was. Mm. I mean, why why on earth he's tr- he's trying to save it on his side, like about, about like four four foot off the ground from an in swinging corner? God knows what what he's doing there. Um. But there's been a few weird ones like this. I mean, like look at um at Trafford for Burnley again yesterday. Just coming from no yeah. absolutely no man's hand for a corner again. And to go from not conceding all season to now three in three games, it's a bit ridiculous, really. And there's no there's no yeah. way any mm. keeper should be doing that where he did yet. <laughs> and I think he got away lightly yesterday for for the well, that's his fault. I mean Dawson shouldn't be ducking anyway. Why you as a defender of mm. his experience, especially, you'd be ducking on your on the edge of the Iran six yard box. That's weird. Um, mm. But for Sar to be doing to almost lying down rather than just coming and punching it, baffling. It's sort of gone under a radar, doesn't it? Oh dear. I think Richard's having issues with his internet. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah, Sars involvement. In... He said earlier, he said, oh, yeah, everything's fine. We today. literally joke about it. Like, oh, every fourth show. <laughs> he, said, he, said, yes. he said earlier, he said, oh, yeah, it's charged, it's plugged in, Nothing. there's been no problems until everyone logs in, it's all okay. <laughs> and they're looking. He's going to go wandering. Happens now. every gonna... time. This is what happens when you live in a, in a palatial mansion in Schiffnell. Because <laughs> he sent the, he I sent... didn't have it. I've realised what uh, I've realised what's happened now, and it has been fixed. It, it, it was uh, someone kicking the uh, the plug socket. Uh, the, the slave. <laughs> I I <was> say <laughs> he's given the night off to watch the Super Bowl. That's what's happening. <laughs> for 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 li- I, I'm sorry. I've got a massive mirror behind me, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> You know what? I got that was a um, that was penny stock from B and M. That was yeah. just thought, always good to save money was, where you can. I thought it was a silver plate. <laughs> it does look it from here, doesn't it? it yeah. Yes, it's a shine. <laughs> it, it? um, I thought that's that's what that's what they bring his dinner on every day, and then they hang it up when they're finished. <laughs> Richard's big plate. I tell you what, this is great content for the audio listeners. Yeah. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um... Rich has got, Rich has got a, a, a silver platter on his wall that's been put there by he's, he's mounted the slaves that he employs but, throughout the week. 
Um, Dawson's offside goal. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yes, offside. Probably is. Yes, it? It, 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 I, I, it, I assume it's so. It's, a, it's it, literally a foot offside. Yeah. Um, like, I haven't but seen it, it back to be honest, so but I, I assume it is if it was given. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not even close. It's it's oh, okay. his entire foot is offside. Oh no, it, it, it is it is clearly like off. It's like he is just the line is there, and he's just kind of quite literally put a foot over the line, mm. and he doesn't gain an advantage. He doesn't any of that stuff. But I think it's just that old thing with offside isn't it it's like you, you draw the line somewhere and actually it is quite clear yeah. you know Daw- Dawson's foot is like the next bit along from uh, the Brentford's player but yeah I saw, it, I, saw I will say I saw a few people talking about this and how it's it's making them lose lose interest in football all this stuff and it's like you can't celebrate anything anymore everyone celebrated that goal because there's no no one in that in that ground thought it was offside <laughs> Other than, other than when it was checked afterwards and, and the fact that it was, mm. because it, it did not look offside at all, um, and everyone celebrated it. There was no looking out to the lines when the, there was no second guessing, and it was almost, it was one of the first ones where oh, that was actually a bit of a shock that that one was called, and then you saw it when they put it on the screen. He's like, yeah, okay, fair enough. You could just can't argue with it. Just get on with it. It's, yeah. it's offside. It was frustrating how long it took again, though. I mean, not not to get into VAR chat and all that, but that was annoying. And you just come up checking for offside. I'm like, okay, who who are you checking? Like, it's little things like that. They still need to iron out to make it a less shit experience. Just tell us what you're actually checking, not something vague. Just say, yeah, checking Dawson for offside. Fine, okay, we know what we're looking at there. It's just it's silly shit like that that makes being in the ground a much worse experience for me. I think with with VAR. Yeah. Um. We, we've kind of talked about playing out from the back. We've briefly talked about Dawson. And I guess it all gets wrapped up neatly with the second goal where it all just goes a bit tits up, doesn't it? <laughs> where do you start? Yeah. It, 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 it's just the easiest way of putting Yeah, it just, it's just a bit shit, well, weren't it? But it was. The, it, it, it's all of the above. It's... It starts by passing out into pressure completely unnecessarily, then get away with it, and then you're passing into the centre of the pitch again, literally seconds after you've already got away with it once. And yeah, it's a it's ridiculously bad pass. And but you like I said at the start, you leave yourself open. So what you expect? Just stupidity, and then that was game over. Then done. It was bad enough yeah. trying to get back with back in it once, but now nah. mm. we worked hard. Um... Yeah, go on, Andy. I was just going to say, like, you could feel the, the fucking air just being sucked out of the Molyneux when that second goal went in. Yeah. I think even though we weren't, it didn't look like we were going to score, there was that element of us trying at least up until then. And, you know, we were running and, you know, he kept coming back at us, but we were making an effort at least, which I don't felt we did for the first 60-odd minutes of the game. But as soon as that second one hit the back of the net, it was just like, well, that's it. Then we're not we're not going to get back into this. It's not going to be Man United. You know, we fucked it. We, it's done. So, yeah, that's yeah. probably the most deflated, I think, the Molyneux's been this season other than that last-minute winner against Man United. It was just, you just knew that it was inevitable at that point. I think it doesn't help that even against Man United, and I think I tweeted it and ironically deleted it because we started to lose and um, it looked like a really bad take, was... Under O'Neill, we have always looked like scoring. You know, we mm. might not win a game, but actually, and I think the record shows the first game in 18 league games that we've not conceded since we played Bournemouth last season at home, I think is the, it was the stat. Like, we look like we're a threat. And, like, yeah, Kuna goes off, Wang's out injured. And it just as soon as that second was, it's like, we aren't going to mount a rising comeback here. We're not going to get one in the 85th minute and it get a bit of a grandstand finish um, or anything like that. Do we need to talk about Dawson in this team long term, though? You want to talk yes, about please. I do too. I like yeah. Craig Dawson, but there, it, we have hit the limit. And I said he early season, there's only so much time he's going to be in this team. 
we do need to transition to the next one off the card rank, which should be Santi Bueno. But I also think that Santi Bueno should have played more minutes than he has done at this point. Because whilst Dawson's been fine, I do think that you need to start, you know, planning for the future. Dawson's, what, 35 now? Nearly 36, I believe. I mean... I think he's 34 going on. 30. Okay. He's 33, 34 in May. Oh, we see. Oh, I thought a couple of years older. Uh, but either way, like he's never been the quickest of players. Post 30, you're always going to start to slow down. I know from personal experience. So you do have to start looking to the future. We're not going to get relegated. And, you know, I don't think that's a controversial thing to say at this point of the season. So we might as well start looking at playing now. If he ends up not being the player, we've then got the summer to replace him. But at least we're going to be working with a known quantity at that point, at this time and place. We still don't quite know what Santi Bueno is, so we may as well have a look at him, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I, would, I would give him a run out. We've got a reason. Let's say a reason. Well, an excuse if one was needed for Dawson to have a rest. Although... Mm. You look at the Man United performance and you look at in the first half especially and then you look at the yesterday and you think, well, that's the performance of a guy who's played too much football at his age. But then on the other side of it, he did nothing wrong at Chelsea. He was great, like everyone else was. So it's uh, it's unfortunate that it happens at home when the vast majority of supporters are there to see him just completely collapse. Um, but there's more than enough reason to give him a rest after that because especially at Spurs where they're not going to stop and they are going to be at you and they're going to be physical despite the the live nature of some of their players. I think Santi, like you said, I think Santi deserves his time and he's not kicked up a fuss. He's not mound, which considering where he came from and how they're doing this season, he'd have every right to. Um, I think he's not let anyone down either. So they're kind of slow phasing in of him as a, natural successor were perfect, you know, and I think when you look at that game coming up <laughs> soon against Sheffield United at home, that's got them sneaking a one mm. win all day long. Mm. And we need him to be bit more bedded into English football before that happens personally. But yeah, if Dawson starts again against Spurs, I wouldn't be against it, but it's starting to become apparent that he's, he is slowing down. Yeah, and I think that's it for me. And I feel awful for it. It's for he's not quite past it, but you always want to kind of get ahead of it before he's past it. Then you feel bad because, well, I ain't gone. I'm replacing someone who's not actually kind of over the hill or anything like that. And it is clear he does bring various tangibles regularly enough in terms of his ability, but those intangibles in terms of being that calm, reassuring player. And it's where the wolves are ready to bite the bullet and go, actually, we play a back three now, which helps. Max Kilman's had six months as captain. Toti Gomez has stepped up and looks more and more of a leader as well. Mm-hmm. If, Matt, if, if Craig Dawson's not bringing the quality football-wise... And we don't necessarily need that experience. You, you know, what what then does he bring? Apart from a, you know, a very a solid centre half who you know can head it head and tackle all day. Mm. And don't get me wrong, we're not saying throw him on the scrap heap. He's done no. here. We're not saying that he can still come on if we're winning. You know, say we go one nil up against Spurs. You want someone with a bit of experience who's going to. Hold it down and kick and head everything that comes in your way. He's the kind of player you want to be bringing on, not the other way around, and bringing someone on to replace him, for example. So, yeah, yeah he's still got a role in this team. I just don't think it should be guaranteed first starter week in, week out. Yeah, I think that's a very fair way of putting it. Um, it wouldn't be a game against Brentford if there wasn't a level of shithousery. Um, and I think it, 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 the one which kind of came, and it's come up quite nicely because of what we'll talk about with blue card. Um, but the uh, Brentford goalie basically putting a, a second ball live in play, uh, stop balls taking a, a quick throw in. Would we have scored from that throw in? 
Probably not, because I think we'd have five fluffed it anyway. A, it's a part of me loves it. I love that level of gamesmanship. I think I sort of said in the previous show, players would exploit the rules of the game as far as they possibly can do without being classed as cheating. And that is effectively one of them. But this is almost that prime example of that is more than a yellow card offence. He has really stopped this big opportunity happening through gamesmanship. Um, I'm just interested in your two guys' uh, take takes on the situation. I mean, under the current rules, what he did was exactly what I would want Jose Sar to do if he was in that position. Take the yellow card mm. and just stop the attack. But you are right. It, it should be more than a yellow card. Like, one of the things I hate most in football is the cynical foul to just stop an attack. You're making no attempt to win the ball. All you want to do is bring the player down so you can get all your players behind the ball and reset. That, to me, all you're doing is endangering an opposition there by kicking them. And I feel that that really should be more than a yellow card. If that started being given us reds, I, I wouldn't be asked about it. I'd, I'd agree with it. But I do understand we do need to evolve somewhat. I'm not 100% sure if I like the idea of a sin bin, though. I don't I, just, I don't know if that's the answer, but it does feel like there's got to be a somewhere in the middle between a red and a, a, yeah, a, red and a yellow, doesn't it? I just don't know what it is. I don't know if that's the answer. But then I suppose that's where the trial of these things is, isn't it, to see how it works. Yeah. I mean, it, apparently it's worked pretty well in non-league where it's been trialled there. And I saw one today where... The a keeper did get sent to the sin bin, and an outfield player had to go and goal um, for the ten minutes because obviously you can't, you, they couldn't make a sub because then he'd be in the sin bin and that kind of thing. So from that point of view, if if that keeper was in the sin bin and one of the outfield player in goal for ten minutes, then they're completely screwed, and that that wouldn't happen again, would he? So I know it's very rare that it happens anyway, but you'd have to do something like if if you got it in the last 10 minutes then it's a red card anyway because you're automatically losing you're 10 minutes playing, the, yeah. yeah exactly so there would have to be something like that and it have to be thought through a lot more than it already has been because it's yet another thing open to interpretation for them to fuck up which is the, yeah. a big problem with this, it all well, that's one issue i'm having with it is past me feels like it's just an excuse to protect referees yeah like this whole thing mm. let's add 10, 15 minutes on to the end of the game. No. If a player is wasting time, you book them, you tell them to do it there and then, or you reverse the decision. If a goal kick is taking too long, fuck yeah, that's a corner then, because you're taking too long. It's like refs don't want to make the tough decisions, so they'll just do something a bit mealy-mouthed. And like Brentford is a perfect example of time-wasting. You saw it time and again yesterday. They mm. love that shit. They take it right up to the edge where it is taking the piss and they got away with it time and again because Hooper was too weak with them. Yeah. And it's just about refs knowing what the law is and saying, okay, well, there's the line, you've crossed it, that's a booking. If that keeper then wasted time like he did, well, that's the second booking because you're being a fucking idiot and these are the rules. But it's just a way out of getting them out of danger without going that step too far and taking it down to 10 men and then having Sky Sports News say, oh, we don't like to see players sent off. It ruins the game. But they've done a sending off offence, so fuck them. It, That's it's, part they, of my issue with it. I mean, when it comes to a clock count one, for me, the, instead of adding on 10 minutes or whatever, just every time, you know, pause the clock. Don't have the whole added yeah. time. Do it, do it basically how they effectively do it in, in rugby. For me, I mean, we're all American sports fans here, and in American sports, they don't have the referee keeping the time, they have a third person in all of them in your ice hockey, in your NBA, in NFL. They all have a third party keeping track of the time, it's not on the referee, and it should be stop it. You can have that clock in the ground so everyone can see. And if they did make it two 30 minute halves of football, because that's roughly what we get, isn't it, with a 90 minute mm. game is we get roughly about 60 minutes. If they did that and just press stop and you saw it on the big screen, so you knew where you were at all points in the game, and then once it yeah. hits, you know, 60 minutes or the end of the half, the next time the ball goes dead, that's the end of the game. 
trial that. I'd be more interested in that, to be honest, to, to stamp out time wasting and the likes, to be perfectly honest. Just ball in play. So the, it, the, so then you, there's no arguments over, oh, you, you're time wasting and oh, you're just pulling your socks up or you're tying your laces. doesn't matter. If the ball's dead, the time's not kicking on. So it just solves everything straight away. But they won't do it because it's too sensible. Mm. Yeah. That, but anyway, it does leave us um, in, in the same position we started uh, the weekend. We're still 10th. We are that little bit further away from Brighton, who lost um, on Saturday as well. Um, but we're still solidly mid-table. Um, but it's, it's tricky. It's tricky. But I, I don't know. I think we're still kind of all optimistic. I think a lot in the next kind of few days is going to be very much dictated by uh, Kuna's injury news and Huang's injury news because I think if we're struggling with them over the next couple of weeks, I think the talk of Europe will quickly dissipate and it'll be very much back to how quickly can we get to, you know, 40, 45 points, mm. um, which, you know, no worries about it or anything like that. <laughs> But, I mean, sorry yeah. to interrupt you, Rich. On that point, Europe was always fanciful. I think the fact that we were even talking about Europe is a victory for this season, to be perfectly honest. We were expecting a relegation fight from day one till the, the end of the season. So the fact that we even thought about Europe is just fantastic. <laughs> that's that's the win. That's the real quiz, as uh, Finch would say. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with being in the mid-table, mid like, particularly from where we started to where we are now, I think, I'm not, I can't remember which show I said it on recently, for me, I'd almost rather us not get to Europe because we've effectively got there too early. And I know Gary Neal might not be 100% as a manager, but I'd much rather see him have a pre-season with us finishing 10th than him have a very short pre-season finishing 7th. And uh, uh, effectively going for a very short pre-season, very short recruitment process for new players and everything like that, I'd feel a lot more confident as having another season to kind of, you know, uh, effectively give Kuna that big stage because he's nearly there. But to have it again at this level without the focus of European football and almost that that's the carrot on the stick for him in 2025. That you hope, it, yeah. In theory, I say there's a good chance we're going to lose Pedro Neto in the summer because yeah. we're going to need to sell someone so we can spend money. His market's high, fill your boots. Then it'll be let's keep someone like Kuna, let's try and get into your so we can keep him. If not, we sell him for 60 million. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree to be honest, Rich. Yeah, 100%. It's just rinse and repeat and being sensible, and that's <laughs> that's not what they've done for a long, long time, is it? So, All right, head um, and shoulders. But you, <laughs> it's been a long time since I've used head and shoulders, Rich. I'll tell you now. No, I, if anything, head and shoulders be, could be the reason why I lost my hair. I should I should have switched to Tresemme earlier than I did. Um, <laughs> talking about silliness. Um, before I forget to say, I said I was going to give. Um, one of the boys on our on the uh, row on the back row of the Steve Ball, we all thought we thought he could have died because he he is a bit older than us. Um, he's probably in his seventies to be fair, um, but he he was back yesterday and he, he'd had a re replacement, um, so he won't he won't right on his around crowds walking again properly. But he's back on the bike, he's back working back working out again. He, he was walking fine and he was there yesterday. So yes, welcome back. That was the Brilliant. best part of the day. <laughs> <laughs> I say before we wrap up, then because uh, we've hit the hour mark, um, and massive great for everyone who's listened, who's put up with our absolute irrelevance uh, throughout most of it, and my sheer commitment not to get in a Hamilton quote, which was the pre-recording uh, meeting <laughs> agenda. Um, quickly, what's our Super Bowl prediction, guys? It, it's going to be the the Chiefs, I think. I'd like, I, I wouldn't mind if the um, 49ers, if they did steal it, but I think the Chiefs are just too strong, to be honest. Mm. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think that and the uh, 
the unmentionable um, and all that nonsense that goes with it. Is it is it fixed? We can't possibly say. I know that Ash don't want to put it in the comments, but we're not going to put that on the screen and get libeled, are we? So let's not say anything about that. Um, but yeah, I hope for, for the sake of Nate, no, he's one of us anyway, and he is a yes. 49ers fan. And he was out on his, out on his stoop uh, enjoying a beer earlier on. He's in the mood already. And if, why wouldn't you be? If the, if by some miracle the Jets ever got there, I ain't coming on here. I'll be fucking drinking as soon as I woke up that day. <laughs> so, yeah. Ferret baked beans for someone in the comments there, Mike Evans. For me, the Aldi ones now. I was with, I was with I was with Pricey. I was with what Pricey said about the the Asda ones. The Asda ones were really excellent for a long time, but something happened. Something changed. Um, so the Aldi <laughs> ones now, um, followed by Branston. I'm an I'm an Aldi baked beans man. Mm -hmm. Three for three. Yeah, it's a, a solid choice. Um, in terms of the American football, though, uh, I feel like. The Chiefs could drag it out of them. They've got they've got a muscle memory and have them. They've mm -hmm. been crapping the season, strongly, but have, have just had sheer muscle memory to go through the playoffs. And when you compare it to, I guess you know how Forty uh, Nine ers did against Detroit Lions, that was a high scoring, close game. It just just feels like they've got that. A knack of winning so mm. we'll see but um if you like Stu, who doesn't sleep and will be um, <laughs> watching usher or like me he'll be get he'll be woken up for two hours tonight and we'll be watching usher um we'll be here next time to talk about it but anyway until next time it's goodbye from andy goodbye it's goodbye from Stu. goodbye and it's goodbye for me. Just you wait.